Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast. I'm your host, Keith McDonald. Well, there might have been plenty of rotation at Anfield last night, but the Echo's got two big hitters to join me this morning. I've got Theo Squires and Paul Gorst. Gents, I trust you both well. A late night for you both last night. Okay. Um, Gorsty, in terms of how Thursday nights goes, four goals, three points, a clean sheet and top spot in Group A. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, it was almost Group A. Group A. The perfect night, was this, Liverpool? Um... I thought, obviously, he makes the changes in the Europa League, doesn't he? Made nine yesterday. Salah and Simakas, the only two who kept the place. Um, and I thought there was plenty in there who, who had a point to prove, and, and I thought that they, they made the point, to be fair, particularly Harvey Elliott was was excellent. Jarrell Kwanzaa, which we've we'll touched on him a bit more, so he just continues to rise, doesn't he? And um, Luis Diaz, you know, I thought, particularly first half, I thought he was absolutely superb. Um, and I, I was thinking about Diaz as, as, as the game was going on, and I was thinking, is it a bit unfair to say he's still really waiting for his, his proper lift-off at Liverpool? It was coming up to his two-year anniversary next month. Um, it's weird now you've said next month. That, that's actually accurate. January, yeah. <laughs> we signed late January, and obviously we're in early December, but you know, he signed midway through the, the 21-22 season. Um and then last season was marred by long-term injuries and Liverpool generally struggling. This season, he's had the obviously horrendous incident with his father being kidnapped. So, for various reasons, a lot of them not of his own making, he's still waiting for like a real, consistent, long-term run of good form. Um, and I thought last night was a, was a really good step in, in that direction towards beginning that really. Um, not that I think he's been poor or anything like that, not, not at all. It's just there's been loads of varying factors that have conspired against them almost but I think between now and the end of the season his his kind of task is to just maintain the sort of stuff he was doing last night he took us going really well great header um, and um, just needs to do more of the same and ditto for Gravenberg really you know since he got that injury at Tottenham at the end of September I think he's only started one game in the Premier League and that was was at Brentford a few weeks ago um, but I thought he took his goals really well and, and again like Diaz was was a a real threat in the final third. So, all across the board, there was there was loads for Ian Clough to be pleased with, and uh, yes, Liverpool march on group winners um, into the knockout stages without getting out of the second gear, really. Absolutely, Theo, we're starting to see the kind of success of this Europa League group in the fact that Liverpool been able to rotate throughout, and you know, you've got the likes of Diaz who, because of, you know, of course he says incidents beyond his control, has been out of the team recently, he's come back in, done really well, same with Gap, obviously has the injury at Spurs, and he's come back in, two goals last night, a really good performance from him, you can throw Harvey Elliott into that as well, Simakas, you know, who's thriving now that, you know, Robertson's out injured, he's taking his chance, Gravenberch as well, there's so many in there that, you know, maybe look like at the start of the season they, were, they, they weren't in the first choice 11, maybe in the, in the second weaker team if you want to call it that, but they're, they're really starting to take their chances now and Liverpool look all the better for it, don't they? Yeah, they do. Like if you look back to last season when things weren't going Liverpool's way, they were having a lot of injuries. They couldn't really rotate, and there were players that were just left on the fringes, not getting a look in, like Joe Gomez, for example. But this year, it's like twenty one, twenty two again. Not then the stark fact that they're going on steamrolling everyone, going for all these trophies because we're still first half of the season. But they're putting in good performances, and it doesn't really matter who starts. Like Europa League has been a blessing in the sense that they can rotate and players are grabbing their opportunities. But it certainly feels like this strong squad again. Like Gomez is one player who's completely obliterated whatever doubt you had about him last year. The kids are doing amazingly. Like we saw Conor Bradley come back last night. He's only a cameo late on, hasn't played since pre-season. And you can sell, he's itching to make up for that last time. He was really enthusiastic running down that right-hand side. 
But there's so many players here that you can say, just glad they're getting some minutes. They're not being left on the fringes. Like Gravenberch is one prime example. Barely got a sniff at Bayern Munich last year. Wasn't starting games. He's already started more games for Liverpool than he did for Bayern. I think we can see how they benefit from having these regular opportunities. And well, if they're in the Champions League, they wouldn't be getting as many. And you say, oh, Europe is now over until March. We're going to this really busy festive period where you need your players to stand up. You need to be able to rotate and not have any doubts about who's coming to the side. We had a little question mark over Simicast when he first came in. And then McAllister Endo was the holding midfielder. But the more they play, the better they look. And that certainly leads Liverpool in good stead. Absolutely. Obviously, I think in December, but between now and, and January the 1st, I think it's nine games in, in 30 days or so. As Steve says, that the look on your face there, yeah. it's not nice, is it? I mean, imagine playing in all of those, but Liverpool have got the options that players, you know, shouldn't really have to play in most of those, you think. Maybe the goalkeeper will play a fair few, depending on how bad the injury is for Alisson. You think Simicast will probably play six or seven. You think Salah will be itching to start most of them. But apart from that, as, as we've just said, there's, there's loads of different options. Does that set Liverpool up really nicely for, you know, one of the busiest months in, in their kind of fixtures list? Yeah, I think so. And I think, obviously, qualifying last night made that game against Union, San Gilbert in mid-December. Pretty irrelevant, really, yeah. as the meaningless of to say that I said before we started recording. I think that probably the most meaningless game competitive that Liverpool have played for years. You know, when you when you play a game in the Champions League, when you've already qualified, there's still the, the, the monetary value of winning the game, but you don't get that in the Europa League. So, and the only one there to win Champions League was what AC Milan away. <clears throat> yeah, and they still won that. They, they played Midland as well, didn't they? A couple yeah. of years back, yeah. but at least you, you want to win them because you get a little bit of a. a you know, bonus for it, but you know, that doesn't happen in the Europa League. So, you know, that is going to be a real one for Conor Bradley, Kate Gordon, maybe Ben Doak, Luke Chambers. I'm going over there, I might take my boots and get on the bench <laughs> at this rate. Um, Shout so, what you can do this weekend. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so that helps, you know, given that they're playing so many games and particularly the importance of the games as well. You know, Man United and Arsenal and the Carabao Cup quarter final as well. So, uh, Newcastle, New Year's Day as well. So, <clears throat> yeah, wherever Klopp can rest and rotate and wrap a few in cotton wool, he's got to absolutely take that opportunity. So, you know, he might even look at Sunday, you know, follow my home. But is that a chance to, to do something similar? Um, maybe not get complacent, but it could be an opportunity for Elliot again, you know, um, maybe even Endo. Thought he, he was good again last night. And we know Simacast is, is probably going to be playing more often than not, isn't he, for the next few weeks? So, You've certainly got to look at that situation at some point and give him a rest. But um, I think Klopp's use of the squad has, has been really good in the Europa League. You know, he's, he's made eight, nine, ten changes pretty much each game from the previous Premier League game. And um, other than that, kind of little stumble into lose, Liverpool have, have come through it with flying colours. Absolutely. Theo, someone who had a really good game last night, I thought, and I think on social media, you know, got a really positive reaction was Wataro Endo. Was that the, the best we've seen of him in a Liverpool shirt so far, would you say? Yeah, it's up there. Like it's difficult to judge a holding midfielder when it's a game that yeah. is, you're in such control. Mm. Like as much as Lask had chances, it never really felt like they were going to properly threaten Liverpool. Like they weren't out of their second gear or whatever. They, they scored four, and it could have been if they really wanted to six, seven, eight. They knew after they get those two early goals, it's done. But Endo still, when he was getting on the ball, he was moving it around quickly, and he was just doing it simple and effective was getting it forward and there was one moment I think it was in the second half where he like skips through three or four challenges and these players are massive towering over him and he's still holding off the challenges and like yes that's what you want to see from your holding midfielder that, that's what we've been told that his strengths are you know when he is deceptively strong he is deceptively good in the air so it's good to see him playing with a little bit more confidence like he's not trying too hard anymore he's found his feet a little bit mm. and while you're not mm. expecting him to start 
Manchester United's, the Arsenal's, the Newcastle's in the weeks ahead. He's still benefiting from having these opportunities to stake his claim. Like Gorsty said, you wouldn't be surprised if he got to keep a place against Fulham or you've got like Burnley on Boxing Day. You've got these other games where they are going to need to rotate and he is going to have to step up. And he's certainly doing that now. Um, you can see why Klopp was so excited when he signed him, even though everyone else was like, why have you spent that much on a 30-year-old? Like, it wasn't a Kaiseido or a Lavia, but it's quietly been a shrewd bit of business here as a squad player. Absolutely. And Gorsty, one man who wasn't rotated last night was, was Mo Salah. His 199th goal for Liverpool. Yeah. Before I ask you both your favourite of those strikes, just a word on his season so far. Obviously, there was loads of talk in the summer about, you know, will he, won't he kind of thing. You know, the interest from Saudi Arabia. I think it's 18 goal contributions in 19 games. It really does feel like he is kind of back to his best. I, I think Salah at his best was the start of that 21-22 season. Yeah. You know, those first kind of four, five, six months, whatever. So would you describe his 30-goal season last year? It was, it was well, that's just kind of... But I mean, in terms <laughs> of, like, play style and just, like, efficiency, I think that was Salah at his peak. You know, the goals he'll score on Watford, West, uh, Watford and Man City. Um, do you think we're, he's back to that level? I mean, he's never really dropped, has he? But I think maybe getting the, the wider kind of appreciation that he maybe hasn't had in you know seasons like last year. Yeah, well, he wasn't getting there last year because Liverpool generally went great, weren't mm. he? He still scored 30, was it? 31, maybe? Yeah. Um, I think it's the only one season when he hasn't reached 30. Yeah, I think that was the year they won the league. He didn't get 20 in the league that year, did he? No. That was like his quietest one. He yeah. got a Premier League win. Well, he's up to 13 now already and we've only just crept into December. So, you know, he's... He's got to be targeting 30 again, you'd imagine. Certainly, that'll be his, his little private thought. Um, yeah, he's been he's been absolutely superb, hasn't he? You know, a, a different type of player this season. He's not the the type when the pool first signed where he was very um, direct and was just going for goal more often than not. Um, he's looking to bring in the likes of Alvin Nunes now, the likes of Luis Diaz and... Um, I thought even before the penalty last night, he could, he could, have, could have had a couple, couldn't he, in the, in the first half. So the build a bit more ruthless. He might have clocked up six or seven last night against a, a, a poor side in Italy. But yeah, he's been superb. Um, you know what I feel? I was going to score and I was going to create something. That, yeah, that's pretty much a given. Um, and for all the evolution of the team in recent months and, and over the last couple of years, he remains the main man. And I think... Um, even though he's going to be 32 in June, I think he's going to be able to, to do it for at least another three, maybe even four or five years. So um, let's just knock all the Saudi nonsense on the head and get him to a new contract would be my um, you know, thought process if I was in the Liverpool boardroom. But um, I think Liverpool have got a, a massive decision to make there. And it's probably a lot closer than, than they'd want it to be. I'd say the Saudi stuff has helped how he's being observed from outside. Like mm. on lookers, you're looking at him going, there's a chance this could be the last season we see him in Liverpool shirt in mm. the Premier League. And that makes you appreciate him that little bit more. Like we see the narrative for so many players, they burst onto the scene, you get really amazed by them, you're wowed by them, and then they're just consistent. You take them for granted, I think. You take them for granted, they go under the radar, but then <clears throat> you get the wrong side of 30, you're always, hang on, we might not have long of this left. And that's still doing it. Like I think we're sitting back to Ryan Giggs when he was got like sports personality of the year where he was right in his mid late thirties. He wasn't the best player in that United team by any chance when they won the league in what two thousand and nine. But because he was at that stage of the career and still doing it, you appreciated that bit more. Now you'd love Salah to go and do what Giggs was doing in terms of still performing at that level in his late thirties at an elite club. But there's always going to be that question mark of whether Saudi come again. But as long as he's scoring goals, getting the assists, which is what he's doing, you can't really. Uh, dismiss the possibility of trying to keep him like he is earning his money at the moment and while he is the highest earner you'd imagine when it comes to it he'd want another pay rise so he doesn't deserve it 
Uh, just we'll make it continue. He's going to get his 200 sooner or later. You'd be very surprised if he doesn't get a full and put it that <laughs> we way. We still gold out that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you just love watching him play. Like You could tell he was hungry to get a goal last night, the same as he was when he came on against Lask in Austria, the same as he was when he's played in all these Europa League games. He knows it's a great chance to get his level up. Um, There's a couple of moments where his finishing was a bit lacking, like it's a tame shot or anything. But in other games or other years where his finishing hasn't been there um, and he's been a bit quiet, he doesn't score he's still setting up goals now like he, he could have had more than was it one or two assists he got there was that one pass he put in uh, cross sorry to Diaz and it's only because Diaz took a heavy touch they let him down and then he tries to give it back yeah, yeah, yeah. it's playmaking we're seeing now it's incredible to see and like Harry Kane got the credit for it a couple of years ago doesn't he when he was getting always getting the assists and the goals Salah's in that boat now you just hope he's not got a, a future where he's departing in six months, 12 months, 18 months, whatever you want him here, as long as he's doing what he's doing on the pitch. I was having a conversation with someone a few weeks ago about Salon and Anfield after one of the games, and we were talking about the 18-19 the season when he finished with the Golden Boots alongside Mane and, and Aubameyang, and we were thinking, well, Mane is, is in Saudi Arabia now playing, and let's be honest, a, a, a poor standard of the league. Um, Aubameyang is back in France now, is he? Martin, Martin. I'll say, yeah, I, and Salon is still... Okay, Eric Haaland has come on and you know he's probably going to be the golden boot winner for the next 10 years, but Salad is still at the same level he was at four and a half years ago, starting for Liverpool, being their main man, um, while so much else around him and, and around football has, has changed and altered. And that's a testament to his, his consistency and, and his professionalism uh, and obviously his talent. So, yeah, um, for me, Liverpool need to um, have a serious conversation with his representative, at some point, because you know he's going to have a year left on his contract before we know it, um, and that could be problematic. Absolutely, and for both of you, is a, the no, absolutely no price tag that you know he's irreplaceable. There's nothing that would tempt you to to, to do business with him. See, for, for me, it's more about who do you replace him with. And you know, you can say 150 million, and that's great, but who's Liverpool bring in? Who's going to be you know who's going to have a similar level of impact? I don't know if there is a player attainable for Liverpool. I think. They'd have to restructure the way the team worked and the way they, they kind of played in the final third, and that might mean um, getting a handful of players for different positions. Um, given that they've already got four others in that forward line, it's not going to be a case of buying three, buying two or three with the money that you get for Salah because there's just no room at the end, really. So they need a like-for-like replacement of similar ability, and you could probably count on one and the amount of players who are able to do that. And... You won't need too many fingers for players who Liverpool can afford. So, you know, when you weigh all that up, probably not for me, though. Yeah. The, the only one for me would be Kylian Mbappe, but, you know, I don't think I've ever seen a more nailed on move to Real Madrid transfer yeah. in, in the summer. Yeah, that's my issue with it as well. Like, if you look at like for like, the best left footed forward in world football remains Mohamed Salah. There isn't anyone that's going to compete with that. And you can look at the, the up and coming ones like uh, the lad at Palace, Elise, is in the one who scored the absolute world the other week. At least when Liverpool signed Salah, he was banging in a lot of goals in Italy. Like It wasn't the standard he's doing at Liverpool, but obviously it's a hard league to score in, in Serie A. Whereas none of the players that are younger that have been linked are getting that many. It's like five, six goals here. You, you need to be putting in 10, 15 now to believe they can reach that level. So you'd have to adjust. Like If you're not going for that like-for-like left winger, or left-footed right winger, sorry, it needs to be someone that you can still two-footed or someone like Mbappe or you just have to change the team completely. Like we look at when Coutinho left, 
when you didn't have that number 10 anymore, you went for your, your fullbacks. Yeah. And that yeah. can take time to adjust. You need someone who's absolutely on it and surprises you by how quickly they settle. But with Salah, it, it comes down to the conversations that are going on behind the scenes. If he wants to stay, then you reach an agreement. No offer is enough as long as he's still doing what he's doing on the pitch. But if he's saying, you know what, I fancy going Saudi, I fancy being this high-profile Muslim player in the Middle East, then that's when you take as much as you can for him. He's done enough for Liverpool to decide when his Liverpool career ends and go out on that. You don't want him to go for a free transfer, but then you can always respond with that and go, well, the goals he scores in the last year of his contract, is that outweighed by what you'd get transfer fee, who comes in and replaces him, and all the uncertainty from there. Like at least when he does go, you've got Diaz, Gakpo, Nunes, Jota have all been at the club, all settled. And then you can still say, well, Dope's going to be a couple of years older, hopefully. Uh, Kate Gordon, Harvey Elliott, maybe. Like one of these players, you'd imagine, gets a chance in January when he's at AFCON. Yeah. Sabostol is a, a chance as well. So there are options there. Maybe the player who replaces him is already at Liverpool. But no one at this stage is rivaling the goals he scores, the assists he scores. I think he might be quite excited by the uh, prospect of being the, the talisman for, for the new Liverpool team. Obviously, we know what that squad achieved between 2018 and, and 2022. But this is a new squad, isn't it, with, with the likes of Nunes and Gakpo and, and Diaz. Um, and completely new midfield, and the emergence of Elliot and, and Jones, uh, Kwanzaa, um, and Salah remains the, the main man. So I think, you know, no one's little bit of, of what, what we've read and, and what we see about the type of personality he is. I think he might be um, enthusiastic about the opportunity to, you know, be the, the kind of main man once again for, for a potentially great second Liverpool team on the club. And it looks right to see him celebrating goals with the, the captain's armband on his Yeah, <laughs> little gestures like that. You know, to some people it's a bit of a prop, the armband, isn't it? But, you know, Mohamed Salah would, would have felt 10 foot tall leading Liverpool out to the European game with the armband last night. Absolutely no doubt about it. So yeah, and I'd be surprised if he doesn't fancy one more pop in the Champions League at least. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Um, but of the 199, Theo, I'm going to come to you first. Um, there's so many to choose from. It depends what you weigh it up as. Like, the goal against United and the 2-0 where the clock's high, we're going to win the league, where you knew Liverpool were going to win the league. It's not his best finish, but it's his most iconic yeah. moment. That That is the one with the shut-off celebration that we'll always remember because that was the day, you know, right, we don't need to be worrying about a slip up here. Liverpool are so far in front, it's going to happen. But then in terms of quality, you've got the Man City solo goal where he takes them all on, puts it in with his weaker foot. And he's done a few like that. Uh, those are always the two that come to mind because one is essentially a Premier League winning goal, even if it's months in advance. And the other is he's done it against the very best side in European football. He's made them look silly. He's made it look like his schoolyard stuff. Um, he's just an incredible footballer and hopefully we're going to be saying well it's 200th is his best goal and then it's 201st is 202nd you wouldn't put it past him and go through the same question to you yeah I'd probably go for a bit more of a mundane penalty belted down the middle in uh, in Madrid in 2019 just for, for the importance of it um, I mean you can talk all day about the, some of the brilliant goals but nearly uh, the one against Watford they scored pretty much a week after wasn't it yeah two weeks after wasn't it the international break um the, the chip against Roma when it was Alisson making a goal and we know how good Alisson is and one-on-ones and Salah's just kind of dicked it over. But it was Alisson and that was an absolute worldie as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, those two, that, he was the best player in the world on, on that night for me back in, in that game. Um, and I think they were something silly because 38th and 39th goal of the season. Um, 
Yeah, there's loads. Chelsea has it, obviously, the, 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 the rocket when it cuts inside and pings that one in. The Tottenham one in 2017, was it? Same season, yeah. Yeah, you think through a few stuff away. It's just a, a phenomenal footballer. Um, probably Steven Gerrard aside, I'd, I'd go as far as say he's, he's the, the best that I've seen of the film. Really? And it's, that is some statement. Yeah. And uh, going back to, 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 to last night then, um, there's 10 wins at Anfield now this season or 10 games. And the last loss was against Madrid. And we know how that was back in yeah. February. I think it was like 217 days ago or something. I looked this morning, just, just absolutely mental. You but nerd. I know, you've got to get the stats right. You've got to provide for the viewers. Um, but, you know, we know how important home form is. You know, what if Liverpool are to win the big trophies, I mean, you look at the, the run they had from 2017 to 2021, I think it was 69 games in the Premier League, something thereabouts. Um, how important is it now that Anfield is becoming a fortress and almost got that fear factor of it? I mean, you know, now one team, when they've had the first score the first goal, it's almost like teams are like, well, you know, we'll just look at look ahead to next week and, and kind of pack up and get on with it. Yeah, I think it's um, it's been a key feature of the season that's that's gone quietly under the radar. They've been really, really good at Anfield. You know, games like uh, Aston Villa and Forest and from Brentford have all been convincing performances, haven't they? And and it's an important string to your bow. It's um, I mean, Liverpool are always going to be strong at Anfield. There's, there's, there's no real worry there, but the fact that they're going about it in, in quite a quiet fashion bodes well. Um, like I say, they're, that defeat against Real Madrid in February, but before then, when they do lose Leeds mm. in October into Milan, in this, what was March, that, 2020, yeah. when was it, 2022? Um, they don't lose many at all, do they? Certainly not in front of the crowd. They obviously that horrendous run at the start of 2021 that we've all tried to forget about, but yeah, I mean, on the clock in general, they've been absolutely rock solid at home for for years and years and years. It's uh, it's not necessarily a new thing. It's just um, this season they putting together a, you know a, a great run. And it was interesting that <clears throat> the Bill ended Man City's run, didn't they? Winning run at home uh, on Saturday that that was back dating back from I think December last year mm-hmm. when Evan drew one all twenty three games, twenty four games, something like that. Um, those are the sorts of numbers that Liverpool need to kind of aspire to if they're, they're going to be doing something properly this season. What impresses me as well from it is it's been a pretty naff atmosphere at Anfield so far this season in terms of what it can be. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not helped that it's Europa League games. You're not going to get up for that the same way you would for a decisive Champions League game. But in the next month, you've got United, you've got Arsenal, you've got Newcastle, you've got a League Cup quarter final. If they get through that, then you've got a League Cup semi-final. We've got some big games yeah. coming up where the crowd will be up for it, where you will have that electricity back. And if Liverpool, it's just get an early goal, you know, I should jump down and go home now. Uh, there's, it's not complacency there, but there's just this confidence there. And when, when you throw Anfield at it, it's absolute best on mm-hmm. top of that as well. We're going to see next level stuff from them. So the end, one thing I've been really impressed with is how they've dealt with these kind of post-Europa League 2pm Sunday kickoffs. Yeah. And I know they had one prior to that, the, the Aston Villa one, which didn't obviously follow a Europa League game but just in general they've been really kind of you know assured of how they performed on those Sundays loads of changes you know bringing some of the star players back in we've got another one on Sunday after against Fulham you know more of the same the, blu- the blueprint's been there hasn't it and it you know sets up a big week for Liverpool with, with two trips on the road to follow Yeah well that's why he's making all the changes isn't it you know, obviously nine uh, last night was it was it Villa they're not Villa West Ham they beaten one of them wasn't it uh, one of the ones a Brighton draw um, generally being good yeah I mean it, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Can't quite articulate why it's always so difficult for teams to be able to do okay on a Wednesday night in the Champions League and then be fine 
at the weekend, but in the Europa League, it seems to be a bit more mm. banana skin. I'm not really sure why that is, but... Um, We've poor and join it, because they don't have to kick up at 12.30. You get the extra hour and a half yeah, in bed. It's probably, yeah. I mean, we know Klopp's, Klopp's moaned about that for years, hasn't he? And, and I mean, the same moment in the commas, it's something he's been a vocal critic of, shall we say. Um, but yeah, they've they, they, been good, haven't they? But like we said then, you know, home record at Anfield um, is... Um, Important factor for continuing that run on, on Sunday. It's um, it's not it's not a gimme really, but it's one that the, the you know if the if they're at it and the players who didn't play last night are fresh and it's you know it's close to the first choice eleven as you're likely to get. I think the pool should be uh, picking up another another home win. So if you're without looking too far ahead to next week, obviously we'll do a few blood reds then. But after following some big six days for Liverpool. They've got the game on the Sunday, they've got a trip to Sheffield United on the Wednesday and then the early kick-up at Palace on the Saturday. If Liverpool have aspirations, you know, to be at the top of the league and be rubbing shoulders, you know, where they have been with Van City in recent years, is it imperative that they take, you know, nine points over that over that difficult week? It merges into understand all these big games coming up, but they can't take any of them for granted. They can't get complacent here. Yeah, the away form has been a bit iffy at times where they've been dropping points like at the Luton, Brighton. You need to see them getting those maximum points. But at the same time, other teams are dropping points as well. Like we've said it on a few podcasts now, as long as you're in the mix, March, April time, I think Klopp said it himself as well, that's when you go, right, we're title contenders now. You just want to keep the distance with the ties here. Like the way results could go this weekend, Liverpool could finish top of the table on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I think it's big games, isn't it, for Spurs, Man City. Even if not, they've got a chance of overtaking City and going into second. So like, you've just got to keep doing your business, focus on your own results. We saw Sheffield United in the title-winning year. That, that was a tough game. But Palace, it seems to be a game that treats Liverpool quite well historically. But then at the same time, they always feel like a bit of a banana skin too. It's yeah, but the record at Palace is quite good, isn't it's it? Quite good. It's really good, isn't it? Yeah. But I think a lot of people remember that 2014 game. Yeah. It's a bit like Burnley. People always say Burnley's a tough one. They're free nil, don't they? Yeah. Oh, there's like two defeats and that's all there is. Yeah, they lost in 2016. Um, but yeah, if Liverpool are on their game, no slip-ups, start well they're a match for anyone they're going to beat whoever you put in front of them but as we saw against Luton when it doesn't quite click while they have the resilience to rescue something from it it's whether they can keep doing it whether they can keep having that fight in spirit the fact that it was only what the Spurs game and the Toulouse game where it's dodgy officiating that's cost them at the end both times and that's denying them an unbeaten record shows they do have that bit about them but you don't want to be in a situation where you're saying oh we should have got a draw there or with cursing this like because you had to come from behind when you've not been at your best but you'd like to think Liverpool get a win against Fulham and that's another game you can take for granted and go oh, it's going to be an easy win because it's at Anfield and it's Fulham but no it's still something you've got to fight for every single point that's why Premier League's best league in the world and Gorsi, you know, it feels like the early months of the season, there were so many international breaks, it was very stop-start. And especially, you know, times when Liverpool dropped points, it felt like they had to wait a few weeks or, you know, 10 days, whatever, to kind of get back out there and, and kind of dust off the cobwebs. Now, yes, it is a really busy, you know, four or five weeks for Liverpool, but I'm sure they'll be relishing that, you know, the fact of playing every three games, it will be testing, but it's a, a chance to really put a strong run together, isn't it? Yeah, I think Liverpool are better, actually, when, when they, they get into a bit of a rhythm and a bit of momentum rather than kind of... Stopping and starting uh, with the international breaks and whatever else. Certainly, they've got the squad to deal with it now. Um, you know, if you, if you look back, the way Klopp's been making eight and nine changes every Europa League game, if he'd have done that in the last couple of years, you, you would have seen some real youngsters getting getting some minutes, wouldn't you? 
this year it's only really been Luke Chambers started against was it Toulouse at Anfield and then I can't really think of too many others that bloke's had a couple of starts but that's it isn't it because like McConnell's only been a substitute yeah I mean what do you, do you consider Kwanzaa's kind of first team now he's yeah. kind of close to that isn't he um, so they've got the squad to be able to, to manage a little bit of a period like this um, it helps that the, the opposition in, in the Europa League is not the strongest you know you, you, you've got to say that if Liverpool were in the Champions League with a Champions League group, you imagine there'd be there'd be fewer changes and maybe a little bit more weird and turn on one or two. But um, you say that though, but then you'd have the changes at the weekend. Like you'd go fully strong Champions League midweek, and then you'd make four or five changes for Fulham at the weekend. Yeah, but I suppose the caveat is, you know, are you able to do that as as easily as you could a few years ago now in the Premier League? The Premier League now is is so tough. I mean, the three you've come up are aren't the strongest three you've come up from the Championship, are they? But Across the rest of the league, every game is, is, feels like mm. top. You know, you've got the the top, the old the old traditional top six as we like. And obviously Newcastle, and then you've got teams like Brighton, Aston Villa, absolutely flying. West Ham. West Ham. Um, it just seems like there's a lot more quality spread across the Premier League now than than ever before. And a lot of that is because of the money that's in in the English game, um, and it makes it exciting for us as, as neutrals. But um, it means, you know, from the Ian Klopp's perspective, nothing is ever uh, a gimme. So, um, yeah, he's going to have to manage that squad masterfully in the, over the next, what, 30 days. Um, and then you get a bit of a break in January, is it? Um, but I suppose it's just one of those occasions where they put their head down, take a deep breath and um, just go for it. Absolutely. Well, there was nine changes last night, so I'm going to ask you both for your... Predictions for for the Sunday starting eleven. So I think we can all agree on the goalkeeper. It'll be Kelleher. Yeah. Um, Gorsi, I'll start with you. You're you're back for. Yeah. Well, I, I bring Trent back in. Um, I think Simakash pretty much is nailed on at left back, isn't he, for the next few weeks at least. Van Dijk um, and Matter. I was, I was making a point last night about Canate to Doily that it seems like he's he stalled a little bit mm. for whatever reason this season. Maybe a lot of that's been down to, to the form of Matter, but. Massive at the moment is, is the first choice. Absolutely, Theos. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like this fact that they've got the centre back partnership for Europa and mm. the Premier League, Matip certainly seems to have climbed up in that pecking order. Canate's been let down a little bit by injuries over the past 18 months, two years. Like, he's still very young, so you expect him to emerge as that first choice partner for Van Dijk sooner rather than later. Obviously, we know Matip's contract status is up at the end of the year, but the way he's performing at the moment, You'd say you wouldn't be against keeping him, like even if it is just a squad player again. But yeah, he's he's, he's low maintenance, isn't he? He's, yeah. he's not going to be one of the highest earners. I think if he he's not going to kick off if he's not starting. Either. Yeah, if he maintains this form, I think it's a bit yeah. of a no-brainer. He's not been injured that much either. No, no. I was just about to say, first of January is that kind of dreaded date for people out of contracts, obviously can sign pre-contract negotiations with with overseas clubs. So would you be looking to give give Matip a new deal? Yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if there haven't been at least some discussions around there. Um, just because of the, the form he's in this season. You know, you made, made the point about Gomez before, kind of forgetting leaving last season's worries behind him. I think Matt's in the exact same boat, isn't he? Um, yeah, he's, he's been excellent. You know, he's Liverpool starting centre-back at the moment. So I think you, you've got you've got to take a look at it, haven't you? And Klopp made a point in the press conference last night where he was talking about Quanta, saying people saying we should have signed a centre-back in the summer. And while we, they didn't expect him to explode and the scene the way he has, they knew they had a, a good one coming through that could make up those numbers. So if you've got those five there, 
even if you had two of them struck down by injury and Quance right to start of the weekend, you wouldn't have any issues there. You're really confident with this group of five centre-backs. And while it's not going to be long-term, Van Dijk's going to be pushing mid-30s. Matip's going to be pushing the mid-30s. At least you've got three that are younger. There will be a time where you might need a left-sided centre-back, left-footed one, and you can do that hybrid role, a bit more defensive. At the moment, it's a really strong group and providing they stay free of injury and the form they are in, they're certainly challenging each other to keep putting in the levels to stay in the side or get the places back. Uh, this is what you want to see from Liverpool. It's what we saw in 21-22. Like, like I said earlier, it's not going that Liverpool are going to win everything this year or compete for everything this year. But when this is year one of this new look side, it's mm-hmm. definitely a step in the right direction. I know we're meant to be picking our teams and we've gone off on a bit of a tangent here, but it's <laughs> Friday. <laughs> I think Manchester City aside... I think Liverpool, when everyone's fit and in form as they are now, they've got the best quartet of, of centre-backs in the league. Um, obviously, City can rival that with you know the players they've got, Ruben Diaz and uh, Aki and, and Guavadol. Um, yeah. You can throw Carl Walker in there as well, can't you, if they do the back Stones as well. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, Liverpool had a lot of issues with centre-backs last season, really, with form and fitness. This season it's been been light and day and, and long may it continue absolutely and I think Kwan's has obviously been a beneficiary hasn't he of, of the Europa League you know if it was a Champions League you can argue what would he have been thrown in straight away but you know that's kind of really set him up for the, for the Premier League games where he's been, been called upon so I'll chuck it over to you then the midfield you're, you're starting three for, for Sunday um, McAllister comes back in the holding midfielder uh, Sabos lies on the right and really let Graham Birch keep his place I think he did well um, last night he's a bit more powerful than Jones and I know they both had their rustiness with tights uh, spells out the side but Grappen Butch has got a bit more rhythm I think it will take Jones a little bit more time to fully get up to speed you could obviously say oh this is the game you throw him in then to get those chances but when you've got three and six days you're not going to have those two style yeah. every single one you're going to have them both getting chances of course did you agree with that yeah just, just play devil's advocate so I'll go with Jones over, over Grappen Butch um, so Buzz Lai is nailed on now isn't he and, and McAllister is as well it was the number six thought he, he was really good against City actually best game wasn't it yeah um so yeah, I'll, I'll go with Jones just to build up that bit of rhythm that he's lost since the uh, sending off and, and then the injury. And forward line? Yeah, I mean, Salah is Salah, isn't he? He'll be playing. Do you know what? I don't know whether I'd stick with Gakpo just because I thought he was really good last night, like I said, at the, the top of the pod. And, you know, if, if he's being left out after scoring two and putting in a performance like that there's no real incentive to yeah. perform and give him the chance so I'll, I'll keep Gaspo in there he's going to consider out and uh, Diaz because obviously he's no Jota I'd do the same thing like they both scored last night it's a chance for him to keep it and then yeah, Nunes for the, the away games where you want something a bit more uh, physical shall we say and score predictions let's go 3-0 Liverpool but it's easy to sit back and go, oh, this will be a walk in a park. But Fulham got a really good result, didn't they, on Monday night? Uh, they've obviously got a bit about them. They're lacking maybe the goal scorer since um, yeah. Mitrovic left in the summer. But they're not exactly right at the bottom of the Premier League yeah. table. They've still got some decent players. But Liverpool, if they start well, get a clean sheet, get a comfortable win. And Salah gets his 200th goal. Yeah, I think, I think Fulham like to try and play off from the back. Don't they? I think that's how Marco Silva likes them to play here. Yeah, quite got to players to do as well as other teams so I think that could be something Liverpool will, will look to capitalise on from the front and uh, I expect Liverpool to win 2-0 Well gents thanks for your time today uh, we'll be back on Monday to, pre- uh, to review even uh, the, the, the game against Fulham on Sunday and preview the trip to Sheffield United on Wednesday that's all, all from us thank you very much
You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.